0: Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse podcast presented by the Kings Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez, and today we're diving a little bit into potential offseason trades and uh, for that Jeremy Grant specifically, I got Omari Sankofa the second here who covers the Pistons for the Detroit Free Press and also co-host of the Pistons Pulse co- podcast. What's going on, Omari? How you doing, man?
1: I'm good, man. Just quiet before the storm. Uh, lottery this week, obviously, so I'll be in Chicago for that. And um, yeah, it feels like the offseason is really about to get going here. So, uh, trade season as well, right around the corner, obviously.
0: Absolutely, man. Yeah, lottery, a big day for um, both the Pistons and the Kings, obviously. It'll be interesting to see how all of that shakes out. Um, but don't want to dive too much into that today. I, I think the focal point can kind of be around Jeremy Grant. Um, there could be changes with Jeremy Grant conversation just with how the lottery shakes out, but I think we'll kind of wait and see how that pans out since it's just tomorrow here um, before kind of diving into that conversation. and Maybe we can start with a little bit, you know, there's a trade between these two teams, the Kings and Pistons, earlier this season. It was actually a four-team deal. Um, Marvin Bagley ended up going to the Detroit Pistons, and Josh Jackson Trey Lyles were the two that came back to Sacramento. just kind of want to ask you, how's a Marvin Bagley experience been for you?
1: It's been fun. Uh, he felt a huge need for the Pistons just being a very athletic big man, bro threat, uh, post threat. Uh, Pistons just didn't have a lot of athleticism in their front court at all with uh, Kelly Olenek and Isaiah Stewart. So Marvin came in. Honestly, I would say he exceeded expectations. Uh, he scored the ball really efficiently. He had good chemistry with Killian Hayes and Cade Cunningham. Uh, seems to like it here in Detroit. So we'll see what happens with him in restricted free agency. But it seems like he's found a home here in D- Detroit. And um Pistons, of course, were a team that coveted him and wanted to make it work. So it uh, seems like it's a win-win uh, for both sides as far as the Pistons and, and for Marvin as well.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Bagley probably needed to get out of Sacramento. I think the fan base maybe didn't view him the most fair, in the most fair way, just with how everything went down. And I don't know that he exactly did himself any favors in Sacramento, but glad to see him doing well uh, in his time in Detroit. Yeah, that 55% is definitely a standout and it'll be interesting to see how his game kind of continues to develop there. And I think the Kings kind of liked Trey Lyles. I, I don't know how I'd feel about Trey Lyles being the starting four going in the next year or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, what was the experience that you had kind of with Trey Lyles and, and where do you view him as when it comes to uh, like his spot in the NBA?
1: Right. Yeah. I think, I think Trey Lyles was like, it's kind of weirdly good. in Detroit, uh, the Pistons had a lot of injuries throughout the course of the season. So uh, they came into the year already shorthanded handed at, at center. Uh, really, only had Isaiah Stewart and Kelly Olynyk as like proven starting centers. And even Isaiah Stewart was like a second-year guy, so you know, I guess proven is kind of in quotes there. Um, so when when Kelly got hurt early, it kind of forced the Pistons to play Trey Lyles a lot as a, a small ball five, and he actually, at least offensively, was pretty solid in that in that role. Uh, it has been a few months down, so I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but. Uh, he definitely had a streak where he was like scoring like 15 plus points uh, more often than not for like a month straight. Um, he, he's a, a decent three point shooter, so he was taking a lot of uh, other centers off the dribble, just you know, the pump fake and then and then drive and whatnot. Uh, he was definitely solid. Uh, I think you know, especially for the contract they they signed him at, it was only a five million dollar deal over a couple of years. Uh, he really came in and he got comfortable. And it looks like he did pretty well in, in Sacramento as well. Uh, he came in and you said, you don't know if he's the, the, the uh, starting power forward and I don't know if he's that, but uh, overall for the money he's making, I think he really came in and uh, he really impressed it a lot more than you probably expect him to.
0: Yeah, definitely more than expected. You know, I think the the like jewel in that trade for the Kings and give it up Marvin was um, Dante DiVincenzo. And then whatever they got from either of Josh Jackson or Trey Lavs was kind of just, extra on top of it and I don't think the Josh Jackson will be back but Trey Lyles yeah I mean that a lot of it to me has to do with kind of the contract you pointed out that two years five million and going into the second half of that with a team option like for me it makes sense the Kings to pick that up they need somebody that can space the floor and uh, get rebounds and, and put the ball on the floor a little bit I did get warned about those pump fakes when <laughs> by some Pistons fans when he got saw- when he got traded to the Kings and uh, yeah, as, as you get a, you know, a handful of games in, you're like, okay, I see why this is talked about. The pump fakes are definitely a thing with Trey Lyles.
1: Yeah, I think at the five, the pump fakes are okay uh, because you're going against lower-footed defenders, so then you're like a, a drive threat. We play on them at the four. Uh, the pump fakes are a lot more frustrating because it's like, if you have a lot of to just take the shot. Like, Don't try to create a, a better look than that so
0: <laughs> yeah yeah we definitely heard Alvin gentry talk a little bit about like just yeah he needs to shoot it a little bit more um, right. but yeah it definitely went down an all right rate i think he's a a fine backup for um for for the kings and you know yeah kind of backup for alternating with somebody maybe ideally um but you know i think a guy that could potentially fit as that starting for is jeremy grant and uh before we get into hypotheticals of, of trades and value and things like that just kind of want to get your perspective on the whole um jeremy grant going to detroit which was his fourth team with the idea of wanting an expanded role and to kind of expand his game show that he could be more than you know maybe like the fourth guy or so fifth starter maybe that he was in okc denver and those sort of situations so like what did uh from your perspective expanding his game mean for jeremy grant in these two years that he spent in detroit
1: yeah. So uh, really he came to Detroit and he comes onto a team uh, that doesn't really have a lead guy per se. Um, they still had Blake Griffin at the time, but you know, obviously he was still, or really on the downstep of his career uh, as far as no longer being that guy where uh, he's Detroit's leading option. Uh, and they saw Derek Rose as well, but again, like same boat, uh, D Rose was coming off of the bench. So Uh, Jeremy has had a relationship with Troy Weaver, Pistons GM, for years. Uh, Of course, Jeremy went to Syracuse. Uh, Troy uh, was a former assistant uh, at Syracuse for years before he uh, got into the NBA, first as a scout. And then, of course, he was the assistant GM uh, for the Oklahoma City Thunder for a decade. And then he um, was at OKC at the same time. Jeremy Grant was there as well. Uh, So they've had a relationship for a while. And I think Troy just kind of saw Jeremy as a guy that uh, really could handle more of a row that he had in OKC or Denver. Uh, He's been a good three-point shooter the last few years. Uh, And I think the main thing with Jeremy that gives him a lot of value on offense is that he gets to the line at a high rate. Uh, You look at his free throws per game, his free throw rate. um, Like, he's consistently been uh, one of the league leaders in the rate at which he gets to the line, so that gives him a pretty high floor as a scorer. So, of course, the Pistons back in 2020 signed him to a three-year $60 million deal which a lot of people thought was an overpay, but uh, Trey felt pretty good about it. And then Jeremy, of course, ended up getting some monster attention uh, his first year here. Uh, last year, I think he only played 47 games because of, of various injuries, but his numbers were still pretty good, especially after he came back uh, from that thumb injury. And uh, for him, like it's just you know showing that he's more than just a road guy, which I think he's proven at this point. Uh, he shoots threes really well. He's got a really solid handle for a guy who's 6'9". Uh, he gets to the line at a high rate, uh, that doesn't mean that he's like, you know, like a Kevin Durant or, uh, you know, like that type of lead guy where he's your you're a best scorer, but you know, if he's like your third or fourth guy, I think in a pecking order, or if you're a rebuilding team, like first or second, uh, that's totally fine. Uh, you know, if, if for Sac- Sacramento, I mean, I think Sabonis a so, obviously be your, your lead guy and, um uh, Darren Fox as well, but, uh, you probably feel pretty good about Jeremy being a pretty good third option on that roster
0: yeah that's what makes sense to me um and and just for the sake of you know Sacramento's fan base probably hasn't seen all too much of Jeremy Grant so just to go like a little bit deeper into a little bit of his play style when it comes to him um creating a little bit more for himself and like getting to the line specifically um it, it doesn't seem like somebody that gets to the rim an amazing rate um this is also probably me looking at Cleaning the glass uh, percentiles that have him labeled as bigs and forwards, which maybe, or big specifically, which maybe is a little unkind to him. Uh, more of a forward in my mind, uh, but doesn't get to the rim at like an amazing rate or anything like that, right? So getting to the line, is that like attacking closeouts? Um, is there a decent handle that he's he's putting some moves together to get past guys, or, or how are you kind of seeing that happen on the flow of the offense?
1: Uh, he just takes big, long strides when he gets to the rim. And he doesn't shy away from contact at all. I actually put the cleaning the glass numbers up now. And, uh, yeah, it does to him a little bit short as a uh, big. Uh, when you look at his percentages as a, a forward, uh, his first season in Detroit, 2020-21, uh, he's in like the 89th. Well, I guess that's shoot shooting files. Well, shoot, shooting files, he was at uh, 14.4%, uh, which was in the 95th percentile. Uh, he wasn't too far behind that this past season, but as a big, that drops down to the 57th percentile because uh, obviously centers naturally are just drawing a lot more files because they're consistently playing closer to the rim. Uh, but as a forward, uh, which if he were traded to Sacramento, I would assume he would be a uh, forward more so than a, a, a big uh, – for him it's just uh, taking big, wide strides. He's not like an incredible ball handler, but he takes good care of the ball. And he's just really good at initiating contact. He's one of those guys where – like some guys have like that in-between floater game where they'll move their body to try to finish and not – Uh, take that contact, but Jeremy loves contact. Like he's a guy that'll, you know, fly into guys, like his body's hitting the floor all game. Uh, He's that type of guy. Uh, He's not really doing anything super fancy, but uh, he just prioritizes getting to the rim. And when he gets to the paint, uh, that's usually what his mind is focused on is drawing contact.
0: Yeah. I'd like to hear it. I mean, the Kings definitely need guys that uh, are more willing to be physical and and not kind of back down from, from physicality of opposing teams and it sounds like he he would fit into that um I I think kind of touching on something you mentioned a little bit there earlier the idea of him being like a third fourth guy I, I think that in Sacramento him being the number three guy is fitting to me and would make sense or like sharing maybe that kind of with Harrison Barnes but I think right. when a lot of people hear the idea of him um you know one coming to Detroit with the idea of uh, wanting an expanded role and I think that what you pointed out with Troy Weaver in that previous relationship makes a lot of sense as well um, for his inspiration and, and kind of desire to go there but to you like an expanded role do you think that going back to a third fourth option is still something that like is in the cards or you know because we saw him do this and then what what is Jeremy Grant's ideal role and do you think that he'd be willing to be like a third fourth option I know it's hard to speak on on his mental or anything like that but but from the play you've seen on the floor and I would assume a lot of it has to do with the transition of like when Cade Cunningham shows up as the number one guy
1: right you know I think it just really depends on the team and the situation and obviously if it's a you know assuming he's traded you know he, he doesn't really get to pick and choose as much. Uh, you know I think he has enough respect for Trey where he's not going to be sent somewhere he doesn't want to go, um, unless just the trade package makes a bit sense from a choice standpoint. Uh, but I mean I, I, I think it depends on the situation for sure. Uh, it's one thing to want an expanded role. Uh, it's another thing to want an expanded role and also be in a winning situation. Uh, I know a team that they were sort of the Pistons were tied to as far as Jeremy Grant trade uh, a couple months ago. Uh, just some. Murmurs with Chicago. Uh, if you send Jeremy Grant to Chicago, uh, you're probably fourth on that team, right? Like they have Vooch, they have Zach Levine, and then they also have uh, DeMar DeRozan. So, I mean, yeah, there will be times where some guys are on the bench, you could take a bigger role, but you're probably a fourth guy. And then Sacramento, you have Sabonis, you have Darren Fox, you have Harrison Barnes, trying to get to mention earlier, uh, but all those guys are proven scorers, obviously. Um, naturally, I mean, Sabonis being an all-star, like, you know, he's probably your lead guy. Darren Fox has all-star talent. Uh, it's probably Jeremy Grant and Harrison Barnes duking it out, you know, for that 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 third or, or fourth spot. So uh, I think the thing for Jeremy, uh, I think he likes the role he has now. He likes being, you know, quote, unquote, the guy. Uh, but he's also on a team that won 20 games last year and 23 games this year. So it's a little bit easier to be a, the guy in that type of position. Um, if he wants to go to a, a team that's going to win a little bit more, you're probably going to have to sacrifice a little bit more. And for Jeremy, I think that's what it, what it really boils, boils down to. You know, you could be the guy, but on the winning team, you're probably not going to be the guy. Uh, so I don't, I just don't think he wants to go back to the role he was in in Denver where you're almost exclusively a catch-and-shoot guy. You're not really handling the ball as much. I think he's shown enough in the last two years to where uh, he could put the ball in his hands a bit more and feel pretty good about it.
0: Yeah, I definitely uh, see that. Definitely proved himself during the time that he's had in Detroit. And then touching on the, the defensive end, um, you know, you definitely see the defensive playmaking with the, the stock numbers that he gets. It's this last season: 0.9 steals, one block. Uh, year prior: point six steals, one point one blocks. Um, you know, I, I definitely, and I think most Kings fans probably understand like what the weak side rim protection looks like and Grant being valuable in that aspect, how, how good do you feel like he is on ball and his versatility there?
1: I think he's pretty solid on ball. Like he is, you know, like six, nine and like, he's a good athlete, but he's not the quickest six, nine dude. So there are some matchups that uh, he has more trouble against. Uh, But I think Jeremy Grant's a really solid team defender. I think he's a good weak side shot blocker. Uh, One-on-one, he's not going to be, uh, shut shutdown type of guy. Like, I don't think you put him into that role expecting him to uh, be able to hold his own against the likes of uh, just the most dominant wings in the NBA. And granted, you know, those guys like the Jason Tatums and whatnot, they're going to score against whoever. Uh, but I would say more often than not, I would say Jeremy Grant's firmly average, if not above average, that he does give you uh, some pretty good things as a team defender and as a weak side shot blocker.
0: Do you think it's an issue if it's and maybe this is something that you got that the Pistons experienced last year? Do you think it's an issue if he's like the designated guy to guard the Kawhi Leonard's Jason Tatum's of the world?
1: I don't think that's an issue. And I think if he is in a situation where he's on a, a playoff team, which, you know, like I, I can't speak for him, but I would assume he would if he's going to a new team, he won a situation better than the one uh, the Pistons are in. Um he is a guy that's probably gonna handle those assignments. Like that's how Denver used them. Uh, Jeremy embraces that. Uh, he's comfortable doing that. Again, you know, it's the Kawhis, the the Jason Tatums, like those guys are probably gonna score regardless, but um, he is pretty comfortable being in that role where it's his job to slow those guys down.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Um and yeah i think in sacramento there maybe even if harrison barnes was to stick around in a move and and we'll dive into details of like what a potential trade could look like but say that barnes stuck around it's like i almost wonder if barnes is the guy you put on it and put on uh the primary wing creator and let jeremy grant uh do a little bit of a more roaming and and playmaking off ball as the other wing and, and see if that's the way to maybe go about that but they could play with something there if if that was there forward duo um, that the Kings were potentially working with. When it comes to kind of the injuries that that Jeremy Grant's dealt with over the last couple years, uh, played 47 games this past season, 21-22, and then the first year with Detroit, 2020-21, to he played 54 total games. Um, Prior to that, though, I mean, 71 games in a 72-game season, 80 games, 81, 78, 80, 77. Um, So he's been pretty healthy prior to that point. Do you feel like Right now, it's um, it, there's reasons to have concerns about how Jeremy Grant, is his availability.
1: No, I wouldn't be concerned about that. Uh, his first year, he just got prematurely shut down uh, once the Pistols began to uh, look toward the lottery balls a little bit. So uh, he played 54 games in a 72-game season, uh, which off the top of my head sounds like he missed uh, 18 games. But he got... Uh, pretty much shut down that year, so I don't think it was a situation where um, it was a season-ending injury per se. It was just more so the fist saying, we're going to get a- an extended look at Killian Hayes, uh, Sadiq Bey, and Isaiah Stewart, and also Saban Lee down the stretch. Now This past season, uh, he did have some more uh, serious injuries, um, but at the same time, I don't, I'm still not concerned about his health long-term. Um, he tore his UCL on his right thumb, and that's what caused him to miss um, the majority of those 35 games, I think that caused him to miss 24 of them uh, off the top of my head. And that was just a freak injury. Like we saw live uh, in uh, New Orleans, he came down after trying to block a shot or a rebound or something. And uh, he just landed on his hand and just landed awkwardly. Like it was a freak injury. Uh, he needed surgery on it and he missed it a few months. But um, it's one of those things where I wouldn't expect that to be a recurring issue. Uh, when he came back after the thumb injury, he looked a lot better than he did b- before it. So. Um, as far as I can tell, it's not something that should should play come into the future. Uh, and then he also missed uh, time with uh, COVID. Uh, the Pistons had a, a really bad outbreak, as as many teams did last season. Um, and then the final injury he suffered uh, toward the end of the year was a left calf strain. Uh, again, the Pistons had a couple of guys shut down toward the end of the year as they got an extended look at some of their young guys. So, uh, to, like, it's, there's no back injuries. There's no D injuries. Like, right. there's nothing that. I would be concerned about long term. For the most part, it's just bad luck and stuff that just kind of happens.
0: Yeah, I think Kings fans definitely familiar with that. And yeah, yeah, I mean, years prior to there's there's not all too much reason I, I'm with you. And it's good to hear you say on your end, uh, not too much concern when it comes to yeah lingering injuries or repeating things with with Jeremy Grant there. Um, the other weird or interesting conversation to kind of have around him, and I, I think a lot of this is going to transition into what his potential value looks like, is what sort of extension is reasonable for him. Because, uh, right, it was rumored that he's looking for something like four years, $112 million. I think it was Jake Fisher that put this out, right, around the deadline, um, and twenty—that's that's $28 million per year. He's, he's only 28 right now. Yeah, just turned 28, so you're only talking about uh 33 when that comes up. And I, I think that that's still a time that in my mind, Jeremy Grant's still a really impactful player in the league, but 28 million per is a little much for me. Uh, I kind of went through some other numbers of, of guys making similar ranges. Like if D'Angelo Russell four years, 117 million is 29 per about, I think that Delo contract is looked at as an overpay. Um, Julius Randall four years, 117 it's about 29 million per I I don't know that I would say, I, I don't know. I could see those guys as somewhat comparable values. Um, John Collins, five years, 125 million, 25 million a year there. Um, I think that there's a lot of Kings fans that like John Collins better for the sake of like kind of youth and what potential upside is. I'm a little torn there on the defensive end. Um, The one that stands out to me, the couple, I guess, uh, just to keep running through these before I get your thoughts, like Mikhail Bridges sort of deal is what makes a little bit more sense to me rather than this 112 million, again, 28 million a year that was kind of rumored for what Grant was maybe looking for. But Mikhail Bridges just got four years, 90.9 million. It's 22.7 a year. Um, Aaron Gordon got four years, 86.4 million to pretty much fill Jeremy Grant's role in Denver. Um. Harrison Barnes is working with the Kings right now, four years, eighty-five million, twenty-one million a year. OG Ananobi got extended for four years, seventy-two million, eighteen million a year. I think that's viewed as like a steal. Um, probably the Mikhail Bridges one is too, but do you think that there's a team that does pay? Maybe it's the Pistons or Portland or who knows where else, Sacramento even that pays four years, $112 million to Jeremy Grant?
1: That for me is a TBD. Um, I think that Jeremy has probably lived up to or slightly outplayed his current uh, $60 million deal, uh, which averages out to 20 a year, obviously. Um, But once you bump that up to 28, uh, you probably want a guy in that range who, uh, like you mentioned D'Lo, you mentioned Julius Randle. And I mean, Julius Randle, I think he was like third in MVP voting last year before he kind of fell back to earth this year. But um the peak Julius Randle has performed at a higher level um, than Jeremy Grant has in his career. And you look at the guys like Michael Bridges, Oji Anunobi, um, just in my mind, I feel like those guys are probably a little bit closer to the type of player Jeremy Grant is. Uh, it's tough to compare, I think, across teams, just because Mikel Bridges, of course, is a person in a much better situation than on offense. He's more of a... Utility kind of catch-and-shoot guy, uh, but obviously also one of the best defenders in the NBA, uh, which is, I think, where most of his value comes from. Um, I think I generally agree that I think giving Jeremy Grant his full extension uh, is probably not something a team would want to do unless they are convinced that he can be a consistent number three option on a championship team night in and night out. Um, you know, maybe he showed that toward the tail end of his time in Denver. I mean, they're not a championship team yet, but like a contender, obviously. Uh, it's tough. It's tough. It, you know, it really is tough. I think Jeremy mm-hmm. Grants due for a raise. But um, once you get up to like that 28 range, uh, you do get to the point where maybe it begins to feel a little bit like an overpay. So I think a lot of it just comes you know. down to what team trades for him and how that fit is. Uh, because that's a pretty healthy overpay, for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah. If he was staying on the Pistons, is that a contract you would think about giving him?
1: I would think about it. uh, And i have been smoking a little bit. I say it's a a healthy overpay. It's a healthy contract that could be an overpay. Uh, Not from the Pistons' perspective. If you don't trade him, uh, I think you have to extend him. I, I think it's a bad situation if you go into next season and Jeremy Grant's not extended. And now he's an expiring free agent, and you're almost incentivized to move him and just take what you can get in February. I think if you're the Pistons, you just figure out whatever number you feel comfortable with. And, uh, you know, and you just talk to his agent and you figure out if he could come to terms with it. Um, you know, if that's 28, I still think it's probably better to give him that $28 million extension than it is to go into next season. Uh, and he's going to be an unrestricted free agent in 2023. I think you kind of back yourself into a corner if you feel like he is not going to come back, he's going to pursue whatever options next summer. And um, you basically have to move him, <laughs> you know, just so that you don't lose him for anything. So uh, especially with the way the cap is going up, uh, there's probably a good chance that even if that's an overpay at the beginning, it won't be an overpay by the end of the deal when he's 31 or 32, you know, still got some good years ahead of him. Um, that still might be a, a, a tradable contract. Uh, even so, so you could probably live with a slight overpay. Uh, which is what I think the deal could be. Uh, but I don't think it will be a significant overpay. Um, the thing about the NBA is, like, guys are really paid what they're worth. Uh, you have a lot of superstars who are still making less than what they're probably worth. So uh, in Jeremy Grant's case, like, even if he's not quite a $28 million-a-year player, if he's close enough, if you're the Pistons, I think you just have to do it and live with it and see what happens.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I, I mean, like, his prototype is so valuable in today's league, right? Like, the forward that can um, – produce on the offensive end hit threes at a good rate and also defend and especially team defend and, and play make on the defensive end in kind of the way that he can I think that that's valuable for a long time and, and something that I, in my mind is is going to he'll still be performing in in kind of the later years of that contract like you mentioned 31 32 um sort of range do you think that this offseason though that Jeremy Grant is is moved on
1: uh, do I do I do I think he gets traded? Yeah,
0: Man, Honestly, it just comes down
1: to the value of the uh, deals. I like the Pistons will listen to offers like they did this uh, past trade deadline, and I think that they are aware um, that his free agency is pending next offseason, and they need to make a decision now whether it's trade or extend. But if they don't have a trade coming across that makes sense from their standpoint, I think they are very comfortable. Uh, just bringing them back next season, extending them, and just doing it that way. I, I don't think they're going to trade him for uh, peanuts just to, to do it. It's going to be a deal that makes sense. Um, the only other factor that could complicate that is uh, who do you pick in the draft? Because the top three guys of this draft are power forwards, Chet, Jabari, obviously, and then Paolo. And then you also have Keegan Murray, who I think the Pinsons are high on, and he is a prototypical power forward as well. So if you bring a young guy in this summer who's a power forward long term, and now you also have to look at extending Jeremy Grant, who's actually position as power forward. Um, yeah, maybe that incentivizes you to trade him more. So uh, after the lottery, I think I will probably have a more firm idea <laughs> yeah. uh, on that question. But right now, like it really is a, a coin flip for me.
0: What do you think it is? And again, you know, I'm sure depending on on how the lottery shakes out. It's tomorrow. The lottery happens at the point of this recording. Um, but what sort of is is there prototypes that you'd expect like? specific roles um, that you'd expect the Pistons to kind of value coming back in return, or is there like just simple as any sort of young players or, or what do you think kind of the hope hopeful return would be in a grant trade?
1: I think just broadly uh, they want just like your typical rebuild capital, uh, whether that's a young player with upside, uh, you know, pretty good first round pick. And I think they want at least, really two assets they could look at and say we feel pretty good about this. So maybe that's a good young player and a late first round pick. Maybe that's an okay, decent young player. And like a first round pick that falls in the middle of the draft. Uh, but I think they're looking at getting uh, like one of, of, of each or, you know, two of, you know, like both basically. So maybe you get a couple of picks, maybe you get a couple of good young players. Uh, they they want to move him and they just want rebuild assets i wouldn't say that there's maybe a particular need they're going to feel uh you know again it's a 23 win team so they can use everything right um but they're definitely still rebuild minded and i think that's what they would ask for in any deal and they're certainly not going to settle i think just for like one draft pick unless it's a really good draft pick.
0: yeah that makes sense um and i i think that the way that a trade would work with the Kings is a really good draft pick, pretty much Um, or or something that could be a really good draft pick. I I guess just to like start with the base, because I I think that any trade that the Kings do where they're including Harrison Barnes to get Jeremy Grant is like kind of a lateral move. I I like Grant better. I, I think that he fits better for the Kings with his, again, like, um, team defense and, and kind of playmaking on that end. It's really the rim protection from a four and and kind of playmaking on the defensive end that I think is like something that they really need in the front court to pair with DeMontis bonus. Um, but I, I think that if you're kind of swapping one for the other, I don't know how much better you get as a team. I think the value to me when it comes to Jeremy Grant in Sacramento would be having both Grant and Harrison Barnes to play alongside one another. Um, so the matching salary really has to primarily be Rashawn Holmes, and I guess so. For that reason, I just want to start with like, what is your thoughts on Rashawn Holmes? He'd have three years, about um thirty-three, thirty-four million left on his deal, and obviously this year was kind of an outlier for him. But where where are you at when it comes to Rashawn Holmes' value and what that would look like for from Detroit's point of view?
1: I like Rashawn Holmes. I think he's a really solid uh, center. Uh, the Pistons just being a team that, I mean, even with Marvin Bagley and you have Isaiah Stewart and Kelly Olenek, like long-term, uh, I feel like the only guys that, you know, you're probably trying to build around are Isaiah Stewart and Marvin. Uh, and they're two very different players. Uh, I think you play them both at the four or five, but Marvin's a little bit of a weird tweener just because he can't really shoot it. And also defensively, he doesn't quite protect the room. And he also isn't a guy that you want switching on smaller guys. So, uh Basically, I mean, their front court situation is still pretty unsteady right now. And Rashawn Holmes, I think he's just a really solid role player. I mean, he rebounds well. He's good around the rim. Uh, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. I'm not going to act like I'm like a Rashawn Holmes expert or anything, but just watching him over the years, I think he would definitely be a player who would fit uh, what Detroit's trying to build just as a, a bouncy athletic center who just does the things you want uh, centers to do in the NBA, whether that's rebounding, protecting their rim, uh, whatnot. So I think he would fit for sure
0: that's good to hear i I was unsure coming into this of kind of the future of the the front quarter big man with detroit i wasn't sure like how high people were on isaiah stewart specifically um and and i guess bagley i I probably have some convoluted or clouded thoughts on bagley to be honest because the time here in sacramento did not go amazingly yeah um so but hoping the best for him for sure um so all right let's just let's just try this then and, and see where your head is at if the Kings this offseason go to the Pistons and say, Rashawn Holmes and next year's 2023 lottery-protected first-rounder for Jeremy Grant, where are you at?
1: Lottery-protected. I think the lottery protection yeah. would make that a little bit tougher from Detroit's standpoint. 2023 draft supposed to be really good. And um, I think if you're the Pistons, you were, if it were like the 14th or 13th pick or whatever – You would at least want that. So I would say if you lessen the protection, like maybe like top eight, top six, that's probably a little bit more realistic from Detroit's standpoint. But Rashawn Holmes and a non-lattery pick is, if I have to guess right now, maybe the floor of what the Pistons are looking for to Jeremy Gantry.
0: Yeah. I definitely started on the higher end. I probably, from Detroit's point of view, probably would say no to that too. But I think, you know, something like top eight top six protections makes sense to me. Kind of like you were, you were laying out there.
1: Yeah. Now I think that gets a little bit more realistic because you get a player who feels a need. And I mean, you know, the West is still pretty competitive. So maybe Sacramento makes a leap next season, but especially with the playing now, you, you know, you, you can still fall short. So if you're the Pistons, you probably miss the playoffs again. Uh, you know, your pick falls on like that four through eight range. Now you have an additional pick that could fall maybe in like that, you know, six through 14 range um now you have two very good draft picks and now you're looking at it from the standpoint of maybe we could pack them and move up or it just gives you a lot of capital and a lot of flexibility so um I would say if you're looking at if the Pistons could make that trade and they can feel somewhat good that they could get a pretty decent lottery pick out of it then that sweetens the pot a lot because I don't think a lot of teams who the Pistons would look to trade Jeremy Grant to could offer a draft pick that good
0: yeah yeah, um, for the sake of it, let's talk about this year's draft pick too. I, I think I'm of the thought that like I'd really look for the Kings to trade next year's pick and with with some sort of protections at very least top four, very, very least top four protections um, in, in case they jump obviously in the lottery next year. But the idea is awfully, is definitely that you're going to be a notably better team just at having traded for Sabonis and kind of needing to take a jump and obviously pressure from from ownership to kind of do that. But when it comes to this year's pick, if it was Rashawn Holmes in, in this year's pick, and we know after the lottery that, say, the Kings are sitting at uh, at pick eight. We'll say one team jumped, and they're sitting at eight, their most likely outcome. How do you feel about that? Rashawn Holmes in the eighth overall pick in, in this 2022 draft for Jeremy Grant.
1: No, I think that sweetens the about a lot. Uh, because the Pistons, I mean, they have a the third-best size, obviously. So uh best outcome for them is that they stay in the top three. Uh, but they have guys that they like really are throughout the lottery. Uh, if you can get the eighth pick and you end up with a guy like a, a Benedict Matherin or Jalen Duran or Keegan Murray, um, yeah, that's pretty good. And I think also just from a timeline standpoint, you get two lottery picks in this year's draft, and then maybe you feel more comfortable saying, okay, we have a lot of young guys. Uh, now we can shift gears a little bit and not say we're no longer re- re- rebuilding, but, you know, this is the group we have now. Um, you know, now we could just go for it, right? Uh, you got two guys out of this right. draft. They got three first-rounders two years ago. And then you got Cade, obviously, last year. So that's a lot of first-round picks in a three-year period. So it kind of jumps out your rebuild. So, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, like the eighth pick in this year's draft and and Holmes, it's not a bad offer at all. Like, I think they, they would think about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it would. Uh, it, it would be interesting. I again would prefer the Kings probably hold on to this one just because in my mind, if, if say they are set on Jeremy Grant, like they, a deal can still get done with next year's pick with okay protections, and then I mean some of the guys you mentioned, I, I like uh, Keegan Murray. Say he's there at seven eight, which probably isn't the most likely, but I, I think it's still possible. And then Keegan Murray can come up kind of under Jeremy Grant. I, I think that'd be. Really intriguing to me. I really like AJ Griffin, Benedict Mathurin. Um, guys, kind of covered on this on this pod a little bit. And for another hypothetical, real quick, say the Kings jump and one other team also jumps above the Pistons. So, let's say the Pistons are sitting at pick five, and the Kings have pick three. Is there a Rashawn Holmes in a pick swap there for for Jeremy Grant? From three to five? Depends who's on the mm-hmm. board, I'm sure, right? But right, depending who's on the board. Uh, maybe Grant we can lay the- it out a little, like Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith are off, for example. And then Paulo is the one sitting there at three. Hmm.
1: So that's tough, because my sense is that Chet and Jabari are on top of Detroit's draft board, but also those are probably the top two guys off of the board, unless you have a team you know, in the top three. Or really in the top two, just happens to really like uh, Ben Carroll more. Uh, so you're you know you're playing with chance a little bit. I think if the Pistons felt like they could get uh, Chet or Jabari with that pick, they would do it. If it's Paolo there, that's tough. That is tough.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because I think if the Kings had that third pick and one of Chet or Jabari was there, there's was just like no trading it in my mind. I think those two guys like work really well with what Sacramento has right now. And then Paulo's kind of the funky fit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He is the fit. I still think the Pistons would think about it, but I am not, I don't feel as strongly about that one as I would otherwise. Like I think it just, it really just comes down to whether or not the Pistons think Ben Carroll could be like that franchise franchise type guy. And I I do think that they like him a lot, Uh, but Mm. to give up Jeremy Grant and the fifth pick, um, you know, for Holmes who is good but not as good as Jeremy. Um I don't know. That is that 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 might be like the Mendoza line for like a Jeremy Grant from for me, where I really don't know if they would do it or not, but I think it really just comes down to who they can get at that third spot.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. It's gonna be interesting to see how uh, tomorrow's lottery plays out and and kind of final thing for you here, uh Amari is with that Holmes and we'll and we'll say top three protected 2022 first kind of in mind is as the package for jeremy grant that say sacramento's offering is like my ideal uh sort of package right um how does that compare to some of the other trade ideas that you have for what grant could return from around the league like you mentioned chicago i would assume is like patrick williams um say there's uh conversations with like portland right or whispers when it comes to Portland and Jeremy Grant, how how do you feel like kind of Sacramento lands in in what they could potentially offer compared to some of the other teams that you've heard?
1: Yeah, I think just Sacramento, just having, uh, you know, some young guys who can intrigue the Pistons, you know, plus real guys like McCann Holmes, who is obviously a very productive center. Um, And then also having that high pick, I think Sacramento has as good a chance as anyone, honestly. Uh, I mean, of course, I think the thinking with a Jeremy Grant trade is that probably a lot of the interest will be from teams that are either already contenders or are trying to get to that tier. And when you look at teams like Chicago um, where your, your draft capital is just not going to be that enticing, it's basically you give up Pat Williams or there's no deal, right? Like you either have to, you have to have a young guy um, who's either already proven or you use a really high draft pick on recently in the case of Pat Williams and was fourth two years ago. And, Um, it has to be a player to piss is like a lot so I think Sacramento just having a lottery pick in this year's draft and a lottery pick potentially in next year's draft um, they just have a little bit more I think to play with of course Portland's in that same category um, you know as far as having some draft capital some young guys that they they could could be moved but um, just from a draft capital standpoint Sacramento has more than basically any other team that's trying to make the playoffs where it's already a playoff team. So that position's them pretty well.
0: Yeah, definitely makes sense. Um, I I think that Jeremy Grant is a polarizing player or like acquisition to the fan base and very dependent on, on what that extension would look like, right? If, if the Kings are giving up a future first um, there's got to already kind of have been an agreement on, on what that extension looks like in, in him getting traded to Sacramento. And I think it'll be, He's going to be one of the names that probably pops up a handful of times throughout this offseason, so it'll be interesting to see how it goes, Um, but I can't say thanks enough for for coming on the pod, uh, Amari. It's a good time talking to you and getting your perspective on this, man.
1: Oh, 100%. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Of course, and um, anybody listening, it's Omari Sankofa the second, who covers the Detroit Pistons for the Detroit Free, Pass, Free Press and co-host of the Pistons Pulse podcast. Great name, by the way, got to say.
1: <laughs> a um, lot of Pulse synergy here, huh? Yeah,
0: quite a coincidence. Oh, <laughs> um, and anybody listening, definitely check out all the great work going on at the Kings Herald for myself and all the other great gals and girls there. Uh, guys and gals there, I mean, and take a look at their Patreon it's for local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review and hear from us again in the next couple of days.